ولله الأسماء الحسنى فادعوه بها Hazrat Yusuf, on whom be peace, mentions God's favors by virtue of his attribute of Al-Latif, the benignant, by recalling how God was his friend, while his brothers conspired against him. According to the lexicon, Latif is a kind of gracious being, one who is benevolent to his creation, as well as one who is aware of all subtle and incomprehensible matters. Al-Latif is one who illuminates hearts, who makes arrangements for physical and spiritual nourishment, and who offers his friendship to his servants during times of tribulation. The promised Messiah on whom be peace said that sight, intellect, and consciousness cannot reach God. It is impossible to try and see Him. He is Al-Latif. He is unseen and illuminates the person he reaches to such an extent that the person speaks for him, a divine honor mostly granted upon the prophets of God. God is the knower of all subtleties and is all aware. He is of those who seek him and raises prophets to be their guide to him. His light is manifested through His prophets as they spread the light of unity of God all around them. Among all the prophets of God, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon Him, disseminated this light the most. For it was He who had the most perfect perception of God and it was He who was completely imbued in the colors of God. In the current age, because of his perfect and complete devotion and subservience to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, God has granted this distinct honor to the promised Messiah on whom be peace. It is the attribute of Al-Latif that makes God the friend of his servants in all trials and tribulations. Just as the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, continuously prayed for the reformation of his ummah as well as his opponents, as only Al-Latif can be the guidance and reformation. Al-Latif is the supporter of the victim, the voice of the oppressed. Al-Latif is that companion whose loyalty never fails to astound. It is he who fills hearts with his magnificent light. Then, should we not be grateful for the mercy of Al-Latif? Writings of the Promised Messiah Then arise and repent and win the pleasure of God through good works. Remember that the punishment of wrong beliefs is after death. Being a Hindu or a Christian or a Muslim will be determined on the Day of Judgment. But a person who goes beyond the limit and wrongdoing transgression, disobedience, and vice is punished in this life. Such a one cannot escape God's chastisement. 
So hasten to win God's pleasure, and before the dreadful day arrives, namely, the day of intensity, of the plague of which the prophets have warned, make your peace with God. He is very benevolent to the one moment of the repentance that melts the heart. He can forgive the sins spread over 70 years. Do not say that repentance is not accepted. Remember that you cannot be saved by your deeds. It is grace that saves and not deeds. Benevolent and merciful Lord, bestow thy grace upon all of us. We are thy servants and have fallen down upon thy threshold. Amen. Simplified Answers to Frequently Asked Questions Why is it not permitted to hang up pictures in a mosque? Is there a misconception that they will come alive? There is no such notion in the Islamic teachings that pictures might come alive. Pictures are not allowed to be hung in mosques where Muslims pray for the simple reason that pictures can be a cause for distraction. When a Muslim prays, all his concentration should be on God and no physical objects are even needed to establish a spiritual link with the Supreme Being. This is the reason for the absence of any physical objects, including pictures, inside the mosque where Muslims pray. Keeping this in mind, there will be no sense in hanging pictures in the mosque which might distract the worshippers. Otherwise, Islam does not prohibit the hanging of pictures in other places. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to Saturday Morning Live here at Jumma myself, Umar Bhatti and Hamad Khan in the studios and with Ruhan and Ajima joining us on the line as well. Welcome gents and uh, good morning. Brilliant to be here back in studio. Love it. Meeting in person, it's brilliant. Yeah, I can see that your hair's a bit wet, so the conditions outside aren't very pleasing. Drizzling grey, always drizzling grey. Second last day of the year and... Uh, Nothing changes about yeah. the British weather. Wrap it up how we began. You know? Yes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're, you're quite right. Um, I mean, I hope all of you are doing well. And um, the theme of the show is going to be in around about the end of the year, 2023. Let's do a recap of uh, some of the great stories, um, events and headlines that have um, occurred this year from uh, political, economical, uh, to day-to-day, to good news stories and sporting headlines that uh, made news and that were, uh, you can say, uh, the big news uh, front-page headlines 
uh, of 2023. Um, it will be a time for reflection as well uh, that we'll be going through. There's a lot that happened in 2023 and there's a lot that happens every year, if, if we're being honest. Uh, but there's some stories, some events throughout the world that stick around more than others. And our aim will be to try and knit and pick those um, particular stories. And uh, this is a life uh, an interactive show so maybe you have uh, something to tell us that st- stuck up for you maybe a new story or an event or even a personal uh, new story that occurred um, maybe a you graduated maybe you became a father maybe you married or maybe uh, there was something that you want to share with us you can do so on 0208-687-7878 or you can tweet us at a voice of islam UK. Um, but as we do with uh, this Saturday morning live show that we always start off with the news headline, um, I'll start off just uh, so that I can give everyone a bit more time to read through theirs. <laughs> um, and it's quite an interesting one that I found. Um, and the headline reads, Austra- Austrian government launches a repair goods screen. Uh, repair goods screen for electrical goods. Uh, so quite interesting, actually. Um, this is where the Aust- Austrian government are promoting that hold on for a second, don't throw away your goods, your electrical goods, we'll pay um, 200 euros, which is equivalent to 173 pounds, towards uh, repairing that phone or laptop or whatever electrical goods that you may have so that you can use it again. Uh, wow. And that is to promote that you let's reuse what you already have rather than spending something new or secondhand maybe and to give the old electrical good a new life so in one case study in this report says that um, it's actually you're only paying sort of 50% off the repairs so let's say I don't know I've been to 2D market um, let's just say to replace this uh, screen I think it probably cost around Cost a lot, 50, 50 pounds. Probably least. around 50 pounds. And if they give a voucher up to 200 euro, uh, 173 pounds, that, that should cover it. Mm. I, I, I think that's brilliant. I think one of the angles that they might be coming through this is the environmental impact mm. as well. So you, you, we know that there's a lot of plastic that's going around that you're wasting if you're buying new new products new models it's actually i don't know whether you know this but it's by design that a lot of companies um have a short lifespan for their products they call it obsolescent design um so you know apple has a new iphone that's coming out every year you know there's that sort of meme and joke that every time they got a new iphone your your iphone starts slowing down but and that was actually proven to be true in a court case but I, I think it's quite clever. I think um, the aspect of just um, upcycling as well is something that's becoming a huge trend. Um, I'm not sure how far that £200 goes. Um, you know, maybe your washing machine's broken, your mm. refrigerator's broken. Yeah. Um, but I do think it's a good signal um, to not be wasteful for your products. It's a good Yeah, it's 100%. A good I think, um, you know, what it, it does suggest within the uh, article is that people tend to actually buy something new if the costs are just more than 20-30% of the new product. So there's a bit of a small margin where people are like, oh, okay, I don't actually want to spend more money. I'll get mm. something new. Mm. You know, iPhone nowadays costs like a £1,000 or £900 as, you know, rather than maybe getting 20% of that as a repair cost and pay maybe 50% of that. I think that's a win-win for all. And even in this situation, what you see is maybe local businesses, local economy and uh, the consumer everyone is winning actually in this situation mm. you know you're paying half the price the 
person repairing it is getting money from the uh, from the customer being the client and and the government because it's a voucher and you know business is booming and business is booming within uh, Austria and there's also a similar program in um the city of Vienna where they're running um pe- helping people to pay for repairs on old clothes bicycles or furniture so it's a very environmentally healthy um definitely helping uh, people with the pockets right now with the cost of living crisis not just in the UK but a rise of prices around around the world with the uh, things that are happening yeah i i think it's conscious living isn't it it's um it's quite not i was just going to mention about the clothes i think there was an app here it was called patch or something that was quite viral um incredible business model does the same thing it goes around in it just for a fraction of the price um so is your clothes together um i've always um realize that actually i should be more conscious of my clothes because then it's so much easier to buy cheaper stuff on the high street um I know, I know. There's a hadith of the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam who, you know, would always stitching up, stitching up his clothes and everything. So, it's um, good practice. I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, I know, hundred percent. I think even if I take my own example, I was hoping to get the new iPhone 15, uh, <laughs> even though my iPhone 13 is still going strong. But uh, and I think this is just a consumer um, mindset that we have that we go with what the contract we have. So it's usually 24 months or 48 months. You were like. Oh, let me just change. And it's norm as well anyway, so just change your phone after two years or if you're really, really that rich, you'll spend uh, change after after once the new iPhone comes out. So um, it's just things that you have to start thinking about. Um, that, that, that is true. It's a concept of greedy consumption. Mm. Like, do you really need what you need? Do you Why, yeah. why do you want what you want? Exactly. You know, can and, you not just live in a sort of within the means that you can? That's, that's, that's what I asked myself this time and I was like, you know what? <laughs> Well, let's just stick with the current film. Yeah, have. the iPhone 13 to 15 is a useless jump. I might yeah. say it's like a, only a year and a bit, but um, yeah. yeah, this is a brilliant shout. I'm going to pivot to a less um, interesting story, but I, in the sense that I think it brings up negative emotions to everyone. So uh, it was just recently announced, actually 20 minutes ago, that the Eurostar trains are cancelled amid wind, wind, rain, and snow warnings. Um, so the Eurostar services to and from London St Pancras International are cancelled because of flooding of the tunnel. And of course, this is coming at the most sort of disruptive time of the year, as it were. Um, 14 services have been cancelled, cancelled, um, and apparently it's all up in chaos with New Year's trips to Disneyland um, and people going back home for New Year's from Paris, Brussels, Amsterdam. All, all customers are affected, um, though you are entitled to refund exchange. The reason why I brought this up is because I know it's a perpetual topic for Brits to talk about how horrible the trains are, but I do think in the past month it has brought it into sharp focus that our rail system is actually quite remarkably broken. Um, I'll I'll bring back another news story that happened. You might remember as a Londoner, I think it was was this month when the Elizabeth line broke down for four hours to the point where... Yes, the whole um, service line was broken. People had to stay overnight. They had to get hotels if they could get yeah. hotels, go to their friends' houses. People were peeing in their seats yeah. in the Elizabeth line or uh, on the track. That's uh, insane. And wasn't there already uh, talks about that Elizabeth line needs maintenance already at yeah. this early stage yeah. of its you know, birth? Yeah. 
Yeah, exa- exa- exactly that. I mean, you think about how it was delayed in in, oh, in terms yes. of um, its opening, and they said, you know, they're going to get everything right. I even I know whenever we I get signals on the Elizabeth line, I see the GWR just wh- whizzing on past. So mm. I know it's it, it's just something that's um, to do with the system, as it were. Um, but it, it's it's quite tragic. And I, there was this this um, column in the Times that said um, he he missed his train this Christmas as well, um, and it was very awkward because there was a Japanese man on board who wasn't then able to. Go to Paris in times and that means he lost his hotel deposit and he felt this sort of national British shame um, mm. so you offered him to stay over his house um, oh. in comparison to the Japanese high speed rail trains which oh. are always on time and you know um, as it were but the trains something's got to something's something's got to be fixed with them what can it be get you into government Hamad <laughs> but yeah no that's um, that's interesting um Oh, actually, sorry. I, I, I did want to put a positive spin oh, on that as well. Please I completely do. forgot. Please do. Uh, just, just on the Elizabeth line, um, again, uh, this uh, today the New Year's honours lists were revealed. Actually, I think it was yesterday, um, just 11 hours ago. And um, it's quite a heartwarming story about a rail worker who's saved 29 people from taking their own lives since 2015 has been awarded with an MBE. So Rizwan Javed from East London um, works for the Elizabeth line at Ealing Broadway Station and he's helped stay, save each life either by being alert or by approaching vulnerable individuals in difficult situa- situations. And um, the 33-year-old said that he ran his Instagram and TikTok accounts to share these experiences to inspire others. And I think it's quite heartwarming, actually. 29 people since 2015 is, is quite extraordinary. It also shows that you can make that difference in any capacity. He is seemingly just a real worker, um, but he actually um, has has saved a huge amount um, of people's lives and protected their health and well-being. Um, he said he attended Samaritan's training courses nearly a decade ago when he joined the railway. Um, and now he's he in 2019, he won the Samaritan's Lifesaver Award. Um, and he said, coming from an Asian background, we're not particularly educated with mental health. But if you are going through mental health issues, um, you, you know, it was it was sort of a barrier for him growing up. And he that was sort of his drive to be more educated and then actually just be an advocate and be a learner. And it's, it's quite heartwarming, I think, to for him to be recognised in the New Year's on his list as well. That was That is a great... Good news story that we had. Uh, thanks for covering that. Uh, Rahan, um, good morning to you. Uh, what is your um, morning news story for us? Morning, guys. Um, I've heard, I've heard it's uh, wet on your side of things. Not not wet down here, just oh. uh, 20 minutes away from you guys. So I'm a bit <laughs> surprised. Um, also your news stories. Um, I think that's been an issue for a while. Even last week, I remember uh, we had uh, the cancellations in London Euston just the day before Christmas. A lot mm. of people couldn't make it back home for Christmas. So there's been a lot of disruptions, hap- disruptions happening over the last two weeks or so. Um, it's been happening throughout the year. We've got strikes and that. But obviously, our people are feeling it more over the last two weeks. Mm. Um, my news story is a bit different. Um, again, I'd say good news story. Um, what It's about NASA's mission next year. So literally, it's going to happen around Christmas time next year where NASA is planning to touch the sun and touch in the word of commerce, not literally touch. But what is happening is that NASA is sending a human-made object, a solar probe, it's called the Parker Project, which will race past the sun um, at a very, very fast speed, 195 kilometers per second. For those who don't understand what that means, that basically is the fastest ever a human-made object has moved. And it will also 
go the closest to the sun we've ever been, um, 3.8 million miles. Now, that might not sound close, but that's actually 4% away from the sun if you compare the distance from the Earth to the sun. So 96% there, basically, which is really, really close. And the purpose of this will be, uh, it will take place on the 24th December next year. This project has been running since 2018 with the purpose of getting closer to the sun. A lot of people are describing this as basically we're landing on a star, which is more significant than the moon landing that we did in 1969. Um, and what is happening is that this will fly past the sun um, and then go all the way around Venus and come back. So this is actually making a really, really long distance, of course, which is why, which is what explains the high speeds as well. Um, and I, I think... I think what, what we're trying to achieve here is that researchers hope that we're going to get some breakthrough knowledge on some of the key solar processes, understanding solar flares more, uh, the sun's outer atmosphere more, the temperature, dealing with that. Uh, so we know that the temperature of the sun at its photosphere, which is the surface of the sun, is roughly around 6,000 degrees Celsius, um, which is what's obviously been the challenge of us trying to get closer. But if you accelerate past that supersonic speed, a wind, moving at over 400 kilometers per second, then you've got basically a chance um, of surviving that. So it's still, it's still a trial, but we're hoping to see some sort of results and trying to see what, what we can utilize that information for. Exciting things happening in 2024, Christmas <laughs> a time, uh, something, yeah. something to look forward uh, then. Uh, thank you for that, uh, Rohan. Uh, we'll take a short break now and then uh, we'll, uh, unless, Hamad, do you have another? No, you don't. Okay, uh, it's fine. Uh, we'll sh- uh, take a, a short break now and uh, come back to you with our recap of, I guess, 2023. So join us uh, shortly. Layla. So for for me in 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 my life, what I did was, I said to um, it came to a point in my life where I said, I need spirituality. I need to know about there must be more to life than just working, getting up in the morning, going to work at nine o'clock coming home at five o'clock, going to bed, waking up the next day and doing the same thing over and over again. There must be more to life than just eating food and taking pleasure from a meal. There must be more to life than drinking a latte and taking pleasure in a latte. And all of these thoughts take you towards spirituality. And when you know spirituality, that is to come to Allah. So, So that was how it started. But then what really, you know, practically for me, what happened was I said to the, the various friends that I had at the time, you know, I believe in, I want to know about God, yeah. whether or not God exists. What would you advise me? So I spoke to a Christian, yeah. I spoke to a Buddhist, I spoke to a Muslim, yeah. I spoke to a Hindu a, Hindu, a little bit, yeah. and also to an Ahmadi Muslim as well. Right. And they all right. gave me the same advice. They all said, Allah, we believe in God, we pray, and God answers prayers. Sure. So what was very nice is all the different religions essentially gave the same advice. Right. When I did that, then when I prayed, then Allah answered my prayers. Right. And I prayed for the first time genuinely from my heart. And Allah says that whenever the supplicant prays to him, then he answers those prayers. Yeah. And Allah, by the, grace of, by the grace of Allah Almighty, then he answered my prayers and I believed in him for the first time. 
And from there, I continued those conversations. And I said to the Christian, what do you believe? I said to the Muslim, what do you believe? And to the Hindu, the same, and to the Ahmadi Muslim. And essentially, to believe in Islam Ahmadiyat means you believe in all of Jesus' teachings, all of Krishna's teachings, all of Buddha's teachings, but you have them clarified by the Holy Quran. Right. And then you accept the Prophet or the Imam Mahdi who's been sent by Allah in, in subservience to the Holy Prophet so to, to become an Ahmadi Muslim means that you actually accept everything that all of the others do, but you are the most submissive to Allah because you accept a prophet that has come so recently that to make that decision shows, or inshallah it shows to Allah, that I'm willing to follow you and not just my culture, not just my society, but I'm willing to accept the one that you've sent in my, in my time, in my generation. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum and welcome back to Saturday Morning Live with myself, Umar Bhatti and Hamad Khan. And on the phone, we have Rana Lachima. Um, we will now be recapping, trying to recap through 2023. Uh, won't be all of it, but it will be snippets at least um, of some of the major things that happened um some will be more um uh, recent um uh, ongoing and some of them will be we we're just thinking of one and uh, and um some of them will be archaic already and didn't feel like it happened in 2023 but in any case um this is a life and interactive show so you can take part as well and you can call us on O2O's 0208-687-7878 or you can tweet us at voice of islam uk I mean, let's just start off simple. How would you describe your 2023, Hamad? My 2023. I, I was actually thinking. I'm not. I'm not sure whether you both um, care too much about the new year period and mm. whether you self-reflect or you journal. You have hopes mm-hmm. and sort of wishes, goals, smart goals, whatever they are. Yeah. I I was personally looking back and I was astonished by um, what I did by God's grace, just um, personally and professionally. Um, Especially because I'm still studying. I, I, I don't know if any listeners who are in academia or studying, you sort of reconcile with this as well. You, f- you forget that the year is actually a lot younger, a lot, a lot longer, um, because, I mean, I, I'm in medicine, and at the start of the year, I was still in first year of medicine, whereas now I'm, I'm in second year, for ne- nearly halfway through second year. You know, and that's all in one year, and I think how crazy of a sort of mental shift I've had, um, as it were. Um, but yeah, I'd say challenging um tumultuous but also like a positive challenge what's the um, I, don't, I don't know what's the word for that but like you met the challenge um, as it were oh and i read 22 out 23 now 23 out of my 20 books i heard oh wow for, so that apparently puts me in the top 25 percent top 25 good, good reads but, oh okay um, All right. but yeah I'm, I'm proud of that I'm that's good that. that's good to hear um rohan how would you describe your 2023 with uh Probably forty-eight hours to go. <laughs> um, a lot, a lot slower on my reading list. Twenty twenty-three, it's been good. Um, yeah, generally, I think there's uh, mostly we try to we we remember the negatives, but uh, it's important to reflect and try to remember some of the positive things. 
question as well. Even if they might seem small or inconsiderate to you, um, they might have had, still had a big impact on where you're trying to go and what you want to achieve in life. But, yeah, I was just reflecting on some news stories as well, on the good things that have happened, bad things that have happened. Me personally, um, all praise belongs to God. I don't think um, I'm in a situation where I'm always grateful for what I have, considering the situations we're seeing in the world. I think even if you look at the main topics that we normally discuss on the show, um, a lot of them focus around the issues we either face uh, nationally or internationally, whether in the UK that's something as, uh, like the strikes. We spoke about civil strikes, uh, civil service strikes, healthcare, transport. Uh, we've been speaking about, speaking about the cost of living crisis uh, many, many times and impact this is having the impact of COVID, um, the, our political system, and uh, the fall or hopefully maybe the re-emergence of this. So there's, there's issues that we're facing nationally and internationally as well. We've been speaking a lot about conflicts that we've been seeing and how the world is heading towards um, a, a very, very dangerous um, situation. And uh, we've been constantly sending reminders nearly every single show about um, what will happen if we don't heed the calls and if we don't step, step back and reflect and uh, come back from this. So it's, it's uh, gloomy in many ways as well. Um, so I don't want to say my individual achievements have been in a, uh, just the only positive things that have happened, but uh, um, there's, there's a lot to talk about um, and there's a lot to reflect on with the current situation of the world. Thank you for that, Rohan, shedding some light on um, uh, some of the topics that we'll be talking about. Um, I guess probably waiting for me to give me my of course. review of 2023. Um, yeah, some personal highlights. Um uh, some personal developments, um, you know, it's been, alhamdulillah, uh, you know, you thank for everything, of course, some low moments as well, um, but uh, generally, um, it's been a, a good year, good year, crazy towards the end, um, possibly, uh, no, crazy towards the middle, actually, uh, but it got, it went well, so my answer's prayed. I, I just want to touch on that, because I know that, you know, everyone sees this as well, you might be journeying, you might be reflecting, this mm. is a period, personally for me, I, I'm I'm very strict with my emails, I'm usually very neurotic and I'll answer emails straight away, but if you email <laughs> me around this period, you're not getting a reply from me. But I, I'm reading this book by Oprah Winfrey, but also this Harvard professor, Arthur Brooks, called mm. Build the Life That You Want, and it just reminded me about what both you and Rohan are talking about, gloomy reflections and all of this, um, and there's concept of happy yearness and the concept that you know you said you had some ups and downs throughout this year and realizing that actually happiness isn't isn't a thing it, it doesn't exist it's not a state that you can forever be in you of course need the low moments for survival for recognizing you know the important moments as well so recognizing that you can always become happier so it was good that you had those negative moments mm. perhaps also somewhat good that you had that crazy middle moment throughout mm, the yeah, year yeah. um as it were um but building the life that you want um, requires you to basically recognise that you can always become happier, but acknowledge the negative and the good. Hundred percent agree. I think you have to have to suffer a bit uh, to enjoy the good moments, right? Absolutely. Um, there's no way. I mean, if you just have good moments throughout the whole life, and I hope people have good moments, but if you just have continuous good moments, good moments, good moments, good moments. How will you be able to thank God Almighty for uh, what has uh, what He has given to you, right? Um, yeah. So, in a sense, you need some bad moments to 
tell you what uh, to humble you again um i guess let's just start looking at a few no- uh, news stories or um events that have uh, taken taken us aback throughout 2023 or even um highlighted what 2023 has been about and i think um you know there's no way that we can't start with what's happening currently right now with um the war in um israel and um and Palestine, um, I think that's been one of the highlights for many, many people, and has um, cast a lot of people, especially since was it, I think from start of October, um, and still surprising that it's still well, not sure if it's surprising, but it's still going on, and um, a lot of things have happened, and I was just when I was driving in as well, had a lot of talk about the rise of Islamophobia and anti-Semitism uh, taking place in around uh, the, the whole world. Uh, we also were supposed to have a, actually a report last show, which we weren't able to get, um, unfortunately, but we will get that on, uh, about a, uh, how the rise of Islamophobia and anti-Semitism are playing hand-to-hand due to the uh, current wars that are going on, uh, but in any case, I think uh, that's this 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 conflict sort of hits our, our our heart in a sense because, you know, if you know it not, um, you know within uh, Palestine or Israel um, is uh, the Islam's third holiest site, which is um, uh, the Al Aqsa Mosque. So that's something for us, uh, and it's the land of the prophets as well as as, as we recognize uh, a lot of prophets come down and you know jesus my peace and blessing of allah be upon him uh, originated from there um the holy prophet uh be peace and be, peace and blessing of allah be upon him um traveled there through his dream yeah, yeah. and um you know so that's why it has huge significance uh, to muslims uh, uh as well and just looking at generally to um you know human to human uh, there's a lot of suffering that has been going in around um a lot of of course um Accusations um, that have been thrown in and around. Um, you know, we won't be talking about the huge, the about that generally. Uh, it will be more about the substance of the issue, which is you know what it has presented to us is that yeah. there's been a lack of uh, understanding throughout the whole world of the issue, and people are starting to slowly realize what is happening and how we can you know move forward with it. I guess um, because. Undoubtedly, it it is going to continue within twenty 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 four. Unfortunately, I I I like the way that you say how this horrible, unfortunate situation presents itself to us. Because I was actually thinking about this on the way here. Mm. I was just taking the bus, and you, you know something quite graphic related mm. to the situation mm. just popped up on my feed, and I immediately yeah. dimmed it. it. It's just shocking, and it it what what it reminded me was that it, throughout this whole spectacle of uh, shock horror that is literally mind splitting i've never seen this level of trauma and grief in my life and i i i would never ever want to right. see that again and even thinking about it spiritually i'm a witness to this mm. i'll be a call to account to it you know how did i you know s- sort of just sit by and watch what was going on but re- but regardless i i think there's also this thing which a lot of viewers regardless of what you think what you say what your opinions are is there's this sort of dystopian thing about just having this sort of window, it's the smallest window mm-hmm. into people's lives, yeah. which are completely wracked by sh- earth-shattering trauma, and then you just flick through, 
and you flick through it and you flick through mm. and it's just like you're flicking through this page in a book and it's this sort of um, passive observer effect and you, you obviously got some sense racking yourself with a sense of guilt but I, I've never felt it before with any other tragedy more so than this and I know Omar you mentioned that of course, part of it is the ties historically, spirit, spiritually, religiously of um, Al-Aqsa and Islam. But, but, but I think also it's with the people um, mm. and the, gen- the, the, the sort of insane, again, the mind boggles at the sort of generous spirit mm. um, that, that we've seen from quite a lot of these people who have been experiencing one of the worst moments that we could imagine. Yeah, and um, I know, Rahan, yourself, you've been uh, heavily involved with the Ahmadi Muslim Youth Association, been attending events. Uh, maybe you can give us give a sort of breakdown of what you've been getting involved with uh, the situation in uh, Gaza. Yeah, I think I think I can completely um, kind of agree with and completely uh, I can reiterate the feelings that Hamad has just expressed as well in regards to feeling the accountability of having to do something because this is also a role where social media has played a big impact as well, where we are constantly exposed to what's going on. And it's uh, very difficult to ignore the disproportionality of what's going on in terms of this conflict that we've labelled. Um, so so we've, we've obviously, it, it feels quite a, quite a heavy burden not being able to do anything sitting away like this. So we've been trying to do, as the Ahmadiyya community, and specifically the Ahmadiyya Muslim Youth Association, We've been acting upon the words of His Holiness, Hazrat Mizra Masroor Rahmat, who's been given guidance um, regularly or since the beginning of this conflict, even prior to this as well, on how we can support the people, um, the, the innocent people that have been suffering. So we've, we've got several schemes. One of the things that he directly started, His Holiness, was the Voices of Peace campaign. The purpose of this is to amplify and also increase the voices that are advocating for peace. Um, whether they are members of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community or they're not members of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. So we invite people to come talk our events. We've had an event at the House of Commons, which is again focused around the Voices for Peace campaign, where we had uh, Sir Ed Davey, the leader of the Lib Dem parties, other members of parliament as well, journalists, etc. We had uh, Hussam Zomlot, who's the Palestinian ambassador to the UK, come and speak. And similar events have also taken place in Canada, America, Norway, and countries around the world with the hope of uh, coming together and discussing the importance of peace, uh, specifically a ceasefire in the current situation, but also long-term uh, solutions as well, looking at the history of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the, how the second caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, uh, one of the companions of the Pums and Sayyid, Hazim Ghulam Ahmed, his name was Chaudhry Zafarullah Khan, who was the first foreign minister of Pakistan, and he was also the first um, the judge, international judge of the, judge of the International Criminal Court. Um, and he, he, the the role that he played in mm. trying to stand up for the rights of Palestinians mm. um, as a Pakistani foreign minister and afterwards as well. But yeah, we've been fundraising one of the big thing, big things that we're doing as well. As the Ahmadiyya Muslim Youth Association, we've raised um, over sixty thousand um, pounds, and the community has obviously raised a lot more mm. uh, through the different charities that we support. Um, so there's a lot of things happening behind the stage. We've been directly in contact with many politicians. We did a letter campaign where thousands of letters were written to local MPs by members of the community as well. So there's a lot of work that's happening. And like, like Ahmad said, this is, the, this is the main thing that's currently our focus right now. And even me, if I'm reflecting on my 2023, this is probably what a lot of my tasks and work have, um, have been focused around over the last couple of months, where a lot of the people of this community are trying to do the little that they can, try to support the people um, that are suffering. 
Yeah, I think that's that's that hits the nail on the head that this will probably be on a lot of people's twenty twenty three reflection of uh what will happen, you know, uh what what they will be hoping for ends in twenty twenty four that the that there is a, a solution found uh in that um, you know, we can hope that peace prevails in that land and that uh the aggressors are able to um you know, listen to the call of peace uh and justice. And um, those who are supporting um, aggressors, were, you know, should should at the end of the day, uh, you know, what Islam instructs is that, uh, you know, when two parties are fighting, a third party should get involved and you know try and make peace between between them rather than um, you know supporting one side or another. Right. Uh, so at the end of the day, uh, whoever the third party is in this needs to needs to make sure that the first call is let's make peace rather mm. than let's make uh, let's kill more life, mm. and the repercussions are far and wide because it does. It's not just um, that area in the world, the geopolitical area. Um, it's around the world that it impacts because we just need to look at uh, the figures of. I mean, I, I don't have the exact figures, but you can just think about what uh, when I was coming into the in, into the show today. One of the topics was uh, the rise of Islamophobia and uh, anti-Semitism and how kids even are getting bullied and being asked, oh, do you condemn Hamas uh, or you're a daughter of a terrorist group or you're supporting Hamas? You know, um, things that may seem little to us that we may be able to take as ad- adults because we're a bit more stronger, but um, um, certainly those who are younger and more fragile uh, of age and uh, sensitivity may not be able to take it and uh, may have a reactionary effect on them uh, only because um, they're so young and their minds are so uh, shallow that they're not able to comprehend or, you know, able to take this uh, in... Uh, it shouldn't even be in a jokey way, but not... Uh, you, know, you know, because some char- some people's characters are strong enough to take it in, yeah. in, in that way, but in, in, any, in any case, you know... What, what, what I was going to say about this is also that the thing that most unnerves me is, you know, just hearing from my friends in different circles and, you know, academics and people is the thing that this conflict and this issue has sort of unveiled the idea that, you know, society is actually built on the wrong foundations, that actually we were quite right to be within our tribes. And actually, we the whole concept of immigration and integration is actually wrong. And this patently shows that people hold views that are so dear to them and that, you know, when it, when they butt inevitably, apparently, butt heads. Um, and there was quite a f- uh, influential um, political figure in the US who, who said this publicly. Um, that that this is inevitable, and that, that we should we we should we have to admit this mistake, and that you know society isn't um, pluralistic; it's not plural in that sense, as it were, and we should go back to being um, more of a tribal sort of um, people. I completely and wholly you know disagree with that. I think it's actually patently false to think. Um, that we can't come together if anything i i think of this whole situation as an unveiling it's unveiled the mass injustices of the world and the systems that perpetuate these injustices it's also unveiled um the endearing enduring human spirit of um palestinians and their level of faith speaking as a fellow muslim i've never seen that sense of spirituality um i've only read and heard about that mm-hmm. and, and and to see that i know that it's also attracted a lot of non-muslims as well to the mm-hmm. ideologies and philosophies of islam 
But it's also unveiled to me the fact that we can all come together. Seeing people that, um, particularly for me, I was at rallies or protests, whatever it was, listening to talks. I was at a talk at UCL with Dr. Abu Ghassan. And just I was quite um, remarkably surprised by how many different people were in that audience and how diverse that audience was. Uh, through my social media and my echo chambers that are built around me, I thought that we were having this experience in a quite isolated sort of manner. Mm. As Muslims, that's not true. And people are recognising the need to stand together in the most darkest of times. And I think that's the truth that we all should hold on to. Indeed. Um, you know, uh, it's something, um, you know, most of us will be praying for um, an end to this whole crisis, um, uh, whole conflict, sorry. And, uh, you know, that we hope that in the new years that... Um, someone is able to take that role that lead to stop both of them or you know and make sure um or stop the aggressor at least uh to be like come on let's stop life let's 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 not get yeah. rid of more life i i would just say just, just one more thing to perhaps end on so it just remind me of this um fat, uh, figure that i read yesterday which is apparently that around half a million um palestinians are now threatened um of well predicted of dying mm. of hunger and because of the collapse of the medical ass- system yeah. that also shows me when we talk about oh let's look at the year in review in 2023 and Omar and I were just talking about oh we can also talk about AI yeah. we're an incredibly advanced nation and yet we're still there's still something that's so primitive and primal and animalistic of us trying to hurt one another yeah. inflict pain on one another to the point where an entire half a million people and are thre- threatened to de-existence in the, the in the most horrible way through through starvation really mm. um and through not being attended their, to their wounds and to their suffering and to their traumas just because of what really what can you reduce this down to it it is a nonsensical um, childish I, I always say that war is actually quite a childish thing um, so obviously you know that's quite a reductive scenario so a lot of the time you have to have you know your defences but regardless this I, I think what we'll see when we go in to the other news stories is just the stark disparity you know we're an advanced civilization, and yet we still have to deal with this you are correct absolutely correct uh, thank you for that I think uh, <sighs> There was something uh, great this year. Uh, we got an extra public holiday for it. <laughs> and I think it will be uh, definitely um, good to at least uh, talk about it because it happened the first time in our life, at least. And it was the coronation as well of uh, uh, yes. uh, King Charles. Um, and... Um, did you did you did you watch the watch it by any chance? Did I watch? <laughs> the thing, the image that sticks to my mind is King Charles getting frustrated over the pen. Oh yes, <laughs> so, so I'm sure I did actually watch the coronation, but yeah. that is the lasting image. If that says anything to you, yeah, no, I think um, at least in the UK, um, this was you know a big big moment. Um, of course, the sad demise of the Queen uh, a year ago, um, yeah, a year ago uh, in 2022. Um, you know. Uh, no one had sort of prepared themselves uh, for this new moment uh, that we're going to have a new monarch um, and that we were going to have a king. But um, I think King Charles, if anything, was waiting for a long time as well. Uh, and you know, he, he he got to he finally got his go at the throne. Um, and I guess it's just it's just something to highlight. Um, uh, 
because it was a historic moment for all of us um, to see uh, a, a, a king to be unveil, unveiled to us. And it is part of the British sort of culture and society to be um, proud of something unique to us, which is that people all around the world come to see Buckingham Palace. Um, I don't get the craze. I, I, I sort of used to get the craze by now because I'm a Londoner. I don't get the craze anymore. Uh, it's just a building, man. Just uh, And there's people living inside probably. And there's, I don't know how many rooms that they have. And they only probably use two or three rooms. But anyways, um, it, was, it was a... a it was a significant moment, I think, uh, for British politics as well. Um, and, uh, you know, they were saying there was calls for, you know, the previous two Charles had um, uh, sort of um, called uh, government to sort of collapse mm. in a sense that at that time, I think the king had power to um, vacate them, basically, to tell them, you know, you're you're done, mm. uh, you're finished. So they're saying, oh, maybe the third Charles could also do the same <laughs> and just use his prerogative power to do that. Uh, even though he, if he did, it would be a constitutional crisis. Yeah, I, I, I just think it's remarkable that we get to see once again after ninety-five years. That was how long um, Elizabeth II's reign was—the longest-serving um, monarch in British history. To see the mechanics work again of yeah. monarchy, I, I don't think we will be able to. Well, it depends, you know, whether we'll be able to see that. Mm. Um, we, we we may do in our lifetimes actually again. Um, I, I'm not sure whether any of the viewers or uh, you both watch The Crown yes, as well. Ma'am. Um, on Netflix so it was the final season as it were mm. but just talking about the monarchy and the coronation mm. um, the, the the final episode um, Prince Philip it was on Camilla and Charles's wedding um, and he just says to Queen Elizabeth quite quietly because there was this expectation that that was when she was going to give up the crown and the monarchy and she was going to succeed um, Charles was going to succeed the throne um, but she didn't do that and um, Philip just said very casually to her you know that we're a dying breed as it were. And there is this yeah. sort of conversation that, you know, will the monarchy survive, um, you know, be, beyond um, Charles and how can it survive? And is it this anachronistic vestigial thing that is almost, it's actually, it's, it's literally medieval in every, <laughs> I was going to say that in a, it's not a derogatory term, it's literally a medieval institution that is mm. at the heart of this nation. Yeah. Uh, Rohan, do you have any comments about the coronation? Um, as a, German, British, Pakistani, living <laughs> in London. This might be something unique to you. Um, as a Pakistani, you'd know that many Pakistanis are absolutely in love with the Queen. Yes. Um, as a German, I don't really know how to feel about it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I think generally, yeah, I think, like you said, it's, it's actually not that well, it's the first time for a majority of people in the UK probably um, being able to witness something like this. So, like you said, I think Queen's passing was a shock. I don't know why the coronation is kept many months later. I think it kind of loses the significance um, of bringing on a new thing and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, we obviously, as a speaking on behalf of uh, again His Holiness, I think we we wish uh, King Charles all the best in what he's doing. Um, and as we know, that the UK was a beacon for religious rights under the previous queen as well and we're hoping the same continues under king charles as well but not just uh religious rights but also human rights across the globe as well mm. if we do want to believe that this uh, monarchy has any role or significance um still in the world stage in the uk alone as well then you would want to see them speak up for and advocate for and also take more part 
and things that are happening around the world and speaking the right word. Yeah, um, I think something that we don't realize, but the national anthem was, um, you know, changed oh, from wow. God Save the Queen to God Save the King. Something um, I didn't know, uh, to be honest. Uh, only, you know, I, I didn't know when I was younger, but I knew when, when I grew older. But it's just some small, small changes that happened. Um, the one pound coin has also got... Uh, Is it in circulate? I haven't noticed. Not yet, but it will be soon. Okay. Um, because the banknotes will need to be changed as well yes. to his 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 uh, portrait, uh, so small small changes that you know will be coming in effect. Uh, but I guess so one of the uh, things that uh, coronation does highlight um, it promotes is our street parties. Uh, did you attend yours? Did I attend a street? You attend I, did, a... I, I I didn't. No. Oh, okay. No. I saw uh, I saw a few street parties, and uh, growing up, uh, um, you know, uh, I definitely saw street parties as one of the things that um, you know sort of British people would do um, you know come from Germany uh, I, I think it's a lost um, habit yeah isn't the it British people in yeah. the recent years yeah, yeah perhaps in the early 90s and yeah. 80s, so yeah. definitely um, I laughed because I thought it's I, I would never imagine anyone <laughs> around me going to a street party yeah. as well yeah, no. um, but yeah I, I guess I'd, I would perhaps enjoy it you know a bit of Victoria Sponge exactly nice spot Who tea wouldn't? with Who random wouldn't? people brilliant exactly uh, yeah I think uh it was, I think, yeah. It was, a, it was a good moment. It was, a, it was a good moment for him to become the king. Uh, we hope, of course, as Rahan mentioned, as his own list mentioned, that you know he becomes a um, source of uh, peace as well, and uh, promotes peace uh, throughout the world, and uses his, um, I guess, his position, trustfully uh, uh, and equitably, uh, as he can. You know, although you know, we do know, um, you know, he does have constraints on himself. Um, cons- constitutionally that he, he, he is and he's not allowed but he we know behind he, the back yeah. there can be a lot of things I, I was I was going to say he does have constraints constitutionally but I, I would throw my hat in the ring to say that actually we're going to see um, that change quite remarkably mm. and the reason why I say that and perhaps it was this year I think it was this year actually earlier on so if tying in the theme of headlines throughout this year um, unconstitutionally King Charles in, uh, didn't invite uh, Rishi Sunak to, oh no, he sorry, entirely getting this wrong. He held a, um, ho- he was hosting people at the same time as the COP conference at Buckingham Palace, um, and um, notably he didn't invite Rishi Sunak <laughs> as well. Um, but Char- uh, Charles is quite um, enthusiastic. He, he's about politically uh, involved his, in a lot of things, yeah. whether it's in the environment, whether it's um, r- 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 religious rights um, mm. and um, the rights of the disenfranchised. He, he he champions a lot of these things. And because I think part of it is to, to the credit of the Queen, she was the monarch for so long, he was able to exercise a more freer sort of role, role in mm. his, as a prince in his print- Prince's Trust Foundations. He's a patron of many charities, as it were, as well. So I, I imagine that his... Um, um, kingship is going to be marked by a lot of um, values and um, charitable causes that he holds dear to. Correct, correct. Oh, let's hope so. Uh, God save the king, as they say during the uh, anthem. Um, so we'll take a short break now. Uh, we'll be back with uh, further recaps. Uh, we'll of course, first after the uh, break, we'll touch upon AI, something that has been uh, taking over the world and. Maybe a force for good or maybe force for bad. We'll, we'll see about that. Uh, join us after a short break. The promised Messiah, peace be on him, founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in Islam, states, Sin, which indeed is a poison, is born when a man is wanting in obedience to God 
and is empty of his love and his affectionate remembrance. The fate of a man whose heart has become cold to the love of God is like that of an uprooted tree, no longer capable of drawing the sap of life from the soil. As such, a tree gradually withers and dies. So like the dryness of the tree, sin overwhelms the heart. The remedy for this state of dryness, according to the law of nature, is of three types. Number one, love. Number two, istighfar, that is, seeking forgiveness of Allah. It literally means a desire to bury or to cover, reminding one that as long as the root of the tree is buried in the soil, it can hope to bring forth green foliage. Number three, the third remedy is tawbah, which means to turn towards God in all humility, drawing the sap of life and to bring oneself closer to Him, to break loose with the help of righteous deeds from the enveloping cover of sinfulness. Tawbah cannot be achieved merely by word of mouth. In fact, Tawbah can be perfected only with the help of righteous deeds. All acts of goodness are aimed at achieving perfection of Tawbah. Our jihad is not a jihad of swords, guns, or bombs. Our jihad is not a jihad of cruelty, brutality, and injustice. Rather, our jihad is of love, mercy, and compassion. Our jihad is of tolerance, justice, and human sympathy. Our jihad is to fulfill the rights of God Almighty and of His creation. The purpose of religion is that man should obtain deliverance from his passions and should develop personal love for God Almighty through certain faith in his existence and his perfect attributes. Such love of God is the paradise which will appear in diverse shapes in the hereafter. To be unaware of the true God, to keep away from him and not to have any love for him is the hell which will appear in diverse shapes in the hereafter. Thus, the true purpose is to have full faith in him. Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Writings of the Promised Messiah, Alaihissalam. Then arise and repent, and win the pleasure of God through good works. Remember that the punishment of wrong beliefs is after death. Being a Hindu or a Christian or a Muslim will be determined on the day of judgment. But a person who goes beyond the limit and wrongdoing 
transgression, disobedience, and vice is punished in this life, such a one cannot escape God's chastisement. So hasten to win God's pleasure, and before the dreadful day arrives, namely the day of intensity, of the plague of which the prophets have warned, make your peace with God. He is very benevolent. To the one moment of the repentance that melts the heart, He can forgive the sins spread over seventy years. Do not say that repentance is not accepted. Remember that you cannot be saved by your deeds. It is grace that saves and not deeds. Benevolent and merciful Lord, bestow thy grace upon all of us. We are thy servants and have fallen down upon thy threshold. Amen. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum and welcome back to Saturday Morning Life. Your channel myself, Omar Bhatti and Hamad Khan in the studios uh, live. This is a live and interactive show and you can uh, take part and let us know what is uh, happening uh, maybe in your life, something personal that you want to share with us and or something you think we may have missed out in previously that we've spoken about. You can call on 0208-687-7878 or tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. And as I said, um, we will be talking about um, AI. Uh, we did have we have spoken about AI previously as well uh, on the shows, and I think that's something that has sort of taken over the world um, because you know we had ChatGPT, we have um, Google Bard, but I, ne- I didn't I didn't know that at the start. But there's so many more AIs that even the I, I see videos of just AI. You just put a picture there, and you just let it you know put some word in there. And just you let it. You know, exactly, and um, yeah. it's so it's so cool, man. I'm yeah. like, you don't ever need to go to on holiday. You can just say you were there. What? <laughs> you, you know, you just create a picture. Oh, and you you just, just say, <laughs> just make up some trees at the back, a right. mountain, uh, make it sunny or rainy, and then yeah. just or and with some, I don't know, um, European background, and be like, oh yeah, I was I was here. It it, it is remarkable actually. Even just that AI feature of um, image generation. I, I was like making a poster, and usually it takes like an hour of trying to find the right picture and the right color and cropping it to size and all of this and all of that. It's it's remarkable. I think the reason why AI has suddenly become so big or defined 2023 in some aspects is because it's just become readily more accessible. Um, so I mean, we knew about large language models and machine learning models for quite a long while. Um, but OpenAI and ChatGPT and the way that they've sort of democratized um, language learning models is quite um, insane to the point where I think they re- very recently released, um, again, I speak, I'm not a machine learning mm. data enthusiast at all, but they, they, they released something to the public so that you could actually build your own LLM, um, as it were, um, which is quite exciting. And I think the next couple of years is going to um, sort of revolutionize um the way we even just work, I think the main commentary was, does AI threaten your job, um, as it were? Mm. And I'm, I'm not sure whether it's going to even influence job markets, job choices, um, and where we see ourselves as humans 
being most useful and purposeful. I think the sort of not lower grade, but um, more mechanical jobs, the more algorithmic jobs, even by decision making, will be um, shunted off to AI, um, as it were. So interesting to think about it from that way. Yeah. Um, it's, um, it's quite scary thinking about AI sometimes. Um what, what who's controlling ai what what's mm. happening with ai it's like you uh because you just t- type a prompt in and it just comes up with the answers or at least guides you towards an answer that you're looking for so um you're technically speaking well not technically you're speaking to someone but who are you speaking to in ai and, <laughs> and it's so remarkable to uh to sort of see what uh how technology has developed so far because I still can't comprehend it it's 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 because uh, I'm using uh, I, I just use AI and I just to check it out and to see I just put 2023 sports and it just gives me a quick feed of all the stuff that's happened in sports in 2023 memorable moments unexpected twists technological advances. is that chat GPT-4 uh, this no I, no this is Google Bard oh interesting Google, I use oh, wow, Google Bard really, okay well wow. I don't use ChatGPT ever since I found out that you have to pay extra for the new version. Yeah, yeah. So we're boycotting it. Oh, right. But I think it's um, it's always exciting. Um, even I like to write quite a lot as a student. I write quite a lot. Um, I think there's obviously been some misuse of AI in mm. academic purposes with whole essays being written. Even if you're thinking about applying to universities with personal statements, I work um, as a tutor in that respect. And it's quite a huge thing um, for, I think universities actually got rid of personal statements to some aspect for, <laughs> for, for some courses. That would um, definitely be me. Well, you know, you can, can, you know, what used to take months of, uh, hard thinking and reflect- reflection now takes you less than five minutes uh, is 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 um, worrying but also extra- an extraordinary feat um, so, so that's on the writing aspect of it but even with law so obviously we've got yeah. law in training as it were but uh, you know you think of the negative aspects of oh it can write up contracts and um, whatever else and it can sort of trap you in these sort of hidden sort of wordings as it were but it can also actually reduce lawyer fees to some extent i guess it's not trying to say that it can be a substitute lawyer but a lot of people did see that use of oh it can actually explain your contracts to you it can explain what you need for your court cases or you know things that are seemingly or were seemingly um, difficult to grasp whether that's law scientific papers for students that want to read them there's a lot of science jargon as it were i think it's remarkable that it's able to just put it into non um no non-nonsense words no nonsense words rather as it were not a fan no i don't i don't know um i don't want ai to come into law and take my job (laughs) (laughs) that's me being very selfish um but um i just actually found ai to be incorrect and i and i just corrected it okay um it said that um well it just gave me a sort of statement saying cricket world cup india narrowly triumphed in a thrilling final against pakistan making the third world cup win and i was like hold on that didn't happen pakistan wasn't in the final and india didn't win for sure so i was like which cricket world cup are you referring to and i said oh i apologize for the confusion so there is still uh mistakes that can happen with ai absolutely and that was just a simple one yeah um, yeah so I'm not sure about that. I, I mean, my my view on AI has always been that 
it's it, it it serves as a function to human existence rather than it completely overtaking um you know our jobs our way of being and how we interact with others um i i i don't think yeah there are future advancements within the ai field i don't think it'll become what a lot of people like sam altman who's the head of um open ai is mm. what they hope to achieve agi artificial general intelligence which is your sci-fi scenario of that becomes a person a machine becomes the mind as it were and i don't think that's possible i think um we can achieve things that are near to that um as, as it were but i also think if you think about it in a positive manner it allows you to do more of what is human so even in law mm. you know in, in medicine the example that we give is that it can take the admin work out you know so much time in fact more time is spent in a gp doing you know writing up your patient's notes rather than meeting patients administering you know care to them and how remarkable is it that ai can actually make medicine more human again because it allows it frees up time for humans to interact with other humans in the medicine setting but then perhaps also in the law setting i'm sure you've got an insane amount of reading to do you know whether it's particular cases that are coming up to you or whether you want to refer to particular legislation and policies or whatever else it is imagine that ai can just summarize that for you of course in yeah. an accurate way yeah yeah I've, I've used it to just um for help for help and then do deeper research in it yeah um so i think it can be a force for good in that sense that uh, if you're using that as a guiding principle, I guess, or guiding uh, as as a guide, really, and you know, you'll be like, okay, let me check if that statement is correct, and then might see whether my understanding can go further than that. AI is already used, I think, in uh, within within law. I can think of um, when we are onboarding clients, mm. um, but more for ID checks, right? Interesting. I think so. Um, the reason I say that, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm making the statement correct because, um, you know, when you take it, when you are, you know, you're taking pictures of uh, whatever documents it asks for you, then it's sort of asking for you to take a picture as well, right? Mm -hmm. And that has to be, uh, and that is scanning your picture with the picture that you've provided and saying that, is this the same? Is this the correct picture so it right? tries to validate exactly it. so and uh, if it's able to validate it's good then we don't have to go back to the client saying okay your id check's good we're good to proceed or if it isn't able to then we're like okay look um and and the uh, i guess the uh, factors they have to take it take in is you know who's how are they taking the picture are they taking the picture properly mm. eyes closed or have they taken their id pictures in a uh, in uh, what, dimly, lit. dimly lit or whether just um, don't know how to use the phone properly and took a picture of something else. Yeah. You know, there's some factors you have to uh, consider it. But that is one way I was just thinking of really quickly of how we are. My family are using AI, and, and the positive repercussion of that is previously your firm would be wasting so much time validating every single person's mm. um, sort of um, ID checks, whereas now you only do that as a secondary measure if something comes up. I, th I think what is actually worrying is that if you just think about it more abstractly, mm. how weird and astonishing it is that this new technology is just hoisted upon the general public and becomes part of our everyday life with the vast majority of us not really knowing how it works. What's the you know mechanism? Like you said, you really have no idea. I have <laughs> some semblance, but to be again, I don't know the actual algorithms as it were. And that there, there is this huge problem in AI about 
um, who writes the codes yeah. and the algorithms and you know especially in medicine if you're trying to diagnose a certain thing by taking a picture does it work better on whiter pale, paler skin in comparison to darker browner skin and black, black, black and brown skin and therefore are you entrenching health inequality because of that mm. um, so this sort of systemic biases that you can't be aware of if AI and its sort of um, construction remains in a black box and currently open ai is sort of a monopoly with this proper i know you you know we mentioned google bard and all yeah. but to, to be fair th- those, those are still monopolies i would class yeah, as yeah. you know top five countries that's it mm-hmm. yeah no there's uh, there's a lot of ai i haven't even t- i've only touched two of them which is open chat gbt and google bard yeah i'm just scared to go to the other ones yeah i, I, I mean I, I, do. I, I don't know whether you watch like there's there's a lot of tv and seminar around it, mm. ai like her or um ex machina or even blade runner the new blade runner mm-hmm, as well so mm-hmm. all, all, all of these sort of things they sort of tease the curiosity of oh you know you could have someone that you're you're a companion with and um, with ai as well as it were i think it's a positive tool at the end of the day mm, uh, yeah. as a bottom line yeah. um exciting as it were with a lot of um future prospects yeah that's uh one way to sort of end on uh, ai i guess um are there some things that uh struck for you uh in 2023 i i, I think it's one that we mentioned quite earlier as well Omar, which was the submarine um the, the titanic oh, yes, the submarine, submarine yes. explorer yes um, as it were so oh. for our listeners if you don't know i think was it about five people that went down into this craft that was designed to um, go and see the Titanic wreckage, um, as it were. Of course, it's a very expensive ticket. These are people who are millionaires and billionaires with um, immense disposable income, as it were. And unfortunately, in this one voyage, um, the, the submarine was lost, as it were. I think one part was actually recovered and there was sort of a hypothesis that it wasn't made properly and because of the pressures it just sort of collapsed. But the commentary was that it's so remarkable that, you know, what can money make you do? You know, you're spending your time just going to see a wreckage. I'm, I'm not sure what your thoughts were. I just, just think of the sea and it's just scary. <laughs> <laughs> and to go down that deep and this small of a box... Um, not sure. Is it, is it a busy? Is it it's smaller than our our office? It was for sure. definitely smaller. To go down there and um, to just see the wreckage and you know to to play it bluntly become a wreckage, I guess, right? <laughs> so that is just uh, so unfortunate. And I, yeah, I think what was more interesting was also the reaction to, yes. to to the wreckage. So the fact that millions of pounds was put into a global search. Yeah. That's you know, the comparison days, being made. Um, w- within days. Uh, and then, you know, like you said, th- there's comparisons being made about how quickly we can galvanize in war scenarios and, you know, disasters mm. and we can't really do much. But within days, we can get we can coordinate a global search for about five people, as it were, um, who decided in their pastime. To, in their own money. Yeah. They're rich people. Yeah. And if we look at what was happening during that time, in the European shores um, was uh, people were struggling, coming on boats, trying to make a life for themselves. And we're apparently not able to do that. But for five people who went down there, knowing all the risks that were involved, 
doesn't add up. Doesn't add for add up for me. Yeah, I I I think that stark co- contrast really does show you where the levers are in 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 world politics and what really moves the world. Uh, unfortunately, mm. it, I'm only twenty twenty five now. Actually, oh. that's a huge thing. But it, it, I was going to say, term in life crisis. I oh that that definitely did come this year. <laughs> um, but I I was saying that it is remarkable to me how often we as people just generally get shocked by the inadequacy and injustice of our global systems. Time and time again, we're proven that our world systems aren't actually built around the health and well-being of people. You know, for example, this this submarine scenario, it was a private um, indi- in individual sort of excursion that mm. happened. It had nothing to do with global, you know, there was no need to have a global coordinated search. Mm. But because there was money involved, people were able to coordinate a global search. They were able to do it in a timely manner. In a way that we, you know, public services are never able to do. National, international services, you know, would only aspire to do, um, as it were. Um, I, I, I also, it was also funny thinking about someone. I think there was one comment just saying, "This is like the end stage capitalism for tourism, where it's quite remarkable that someone, as a business model, mm. can say, trap yourself in this." Um, sort of metal tube that was apparently controlled with less technology than an Xbox yeah, controller or something like that. that. Was, Literally a joystick. Uh, there were so many red flags. Uh, no health and safety checks, exactly. I think, were made. Um, no no proper venting at all. Um, but still, the guy yeah. had a successful business model. Yeah, until the, that the, well, they, they cited uh, you know potential material weakness, um, emergency escape systems that were non-existent, um, you know, you know. It of course, brought um, a light or shed shed a light more on strict regulation, and you know, uh, and um, you know, recommendations included mandatory safety audits, uh, improved emergency procedures, and better training. I guess for the operators and passengers, because just think about it. How, yeah, in, in case let's even say a shark bit it, uh, <laughs> going extreme as well. What would you do in that situation? How would you know? You just have to. It, to, the, the thing that really stood out to me and I'm not sure if any of the listeners or you, you would even I was not able to empathise at all there was a tragedy in the case that there was a very young boy mm. who was um, encouraged to go on that trip with his father as a sort of father-son bonding trip yeah wasn't it like a birthday sort of was it? it? It might have been actually yeah that sort um, of and, and, the, and he was quite young from what I remember mm. As it were, so absolutely, that's not to ridicule or minimise the sort of um, tragedy at that. But if I had that disposable income, I don't know what stage in life you have to be at to think that that's where you want to spend a couple of hundred Listen, grand. You give me a hundred million right now, and they tell me, or the you tell me, you get a billion pounds to go do that. Never. At the where famously another ship was wrecked. Yeah. Another ship that people said would never be wrecked and it was wrecked. And you want to go down to yeah. see. It, it, the irony is, you know, on, on different levels on that, as it were. Unfortunately, yeah. Uh, life was lost. But in stark contrast, as we said, um, more lives were lost um, around other areas. And uh, we saw the contrast in um, emergency or sort of urgency you can say from governments and uh, it really does play to you uh, and says to you what where our priorities lie uh, mm. with uh, with life but yeah that was a pretty good one uh, to talk about um, you know 
may their souls rest in peace, I guess, and uh, give patience to their family members. Um, we'll take a short break again, and uh, we'll be back with uh, maybe one or two more, um, and um, look at maybe add a bit of sports in there. I know Hamad doesn't love love sports. He's an, we can doesn't love it, but it. he uh, he's a passionate sports uh, enthusiast, <laughs> and uh, we'll, ha- we'll have a go at that as well. So join us after a short break. Layla. So for for me in 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 my life, what I did was, I said to um, it came to a point in my life where I said, I need spirituality. I need to know about there must be more to life than just working, getting up in the morning, going to work at nine o'clock coming home at five o'clock, going to bed, waking up the next day and doing the same thing over and over again. There must be more to life than just eating food and taking pleasure from a meal. There must be more to life than drinking a latte and taking pleasure in a latte. And all of these thoughts take you towards spirituality. And when you know spirituality, that is to come to Allah. So, So that was how it started. But then what really, you know, practically for me, what happened was I said to the, the various friends that I had at the time, you know, I believe in, I want to know about God, yeah. whether or not God exists. What would you advise me? So I spoke to a Christian, right. I spoke to a Buddhist, I spoke to a Muslim, right. I spoke to a Hindu a, Hindu, a little bit, yeah. and also to an Ahmadi Muslim as well. Right. And they all right. gave me the same advice. They all said, Allah, we believe in God, we pray, and God answers prayers. Sure. So what was very nice is all the different religions essentially gave the same advice. Right. When I did that, then when I prayed, then Allah answered my prayers. Right. And I prayed for the first time genuinely from my heart. And Allah says that whenever the supplicant prays to him, then he answers those prayers. Yeah. And Allah, by the, grace of, by the grace of Allah Almighty, then he answered my prayers and I believed in him for the first time. And from there, I continued those conversations and I said to the Christian, what do you believe? I said to the Muslim, what do you believe? And to the Hindu, the same, and to the Ahmadi Muslim. And essentially, to believe in Islam Ahmadiyyat means you believe in all of Jesus' teachings, all of Krishna's teachings, all of Buddha's teachings, but you have them clarified by the Holy Quran, right. and then you accept the Prophet or the Imam Mahdi who's been sent by Allah in, in subservience to the Holy Prophet right. So to, to become an Ahmadi Muslim means that you actually accept everything that all of the others do, but you are the most submissive to Allah because you accept a Prophet that has come so recently that to make that decision shows, or inshallah, it shows to Allah that I'm willing to follow you and not just my culture, not just my society, but I'm willing to accept the one that you've sent in my, in my time, in my generation. The purpose of the voice of Islam is to inform people of the true teachings of Islam and to make it abundantly clear that Islam's teachings perfectly conform and relate to the needs of every era and every person. The Voice of Islam brings you a whole range of exciting programs each week, 24 hours a day. Tune into our current affairs programs such as Pathway to Peace and Faith in Focus. Welcome to another episode of Pathway to Peace. Welcome to Faith in Focus, an hour of discussion, debate and dialogue. Find out about faith in the current age with Science Hour and around the table.
and welcome back to the science show here on the voice of islam welcome to another edition of around the table join us on voice of islam throughout the week for a wide range of programs for you to enjoy Assalamu alaikum and welcome back to Saturday Morning Life with Joseph Umabati and Hamad Khan in the studios. This is a Life Interactive show. Uh, you can take part and let us know your thoughts of uh, your recap of 2023. Uh, do call us in on 020-88-687-7878 or you can tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. Well, Hamad, there was something that you wanted to mention, some pill that we might be able to swallow uh be able to eat as much as we can well that would be the takeaway uh i i I would say but i can just thinking back to discoveries um this year azempic semaglutide was a huge um discovery (laughs) but omar mentioned that he actually wasn't aware of it at all so i forgot about it probably um i I mean my echo chamber here um to the degree that actually people were hoping that the founders um would be awarded a Nobel prize in medicine Mm. um they they weren't this year um but i'm 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 pretty certain that in the coming years they absolutely will be so azempic um as a lot of the listeners would know um is um a medication that was developed initially for type 2 diabetes and then it was recognized um that it suppressed appetite um quite effectively um to the point where it then started being used as a weight loss um um medication management system uh to and people have experienced incredible incredible um reversals of weight loss um and when we think about obesity and weight weight loss we think about lifestyle we think about image we think about you know stigma perhaps and you know you, you know the waste of will you know you want to will yourself into a better body as it were but we sometimes it's actually a disease and actually it's a risk factor in a lot of other diseases so from a simple medical and health point of view Solving obesity is actually a huge thing in the world of medicine and health because you then re- drastically reduce a lot of the comorbidities and risk factors like cardiovascular events, like dementia. Practically everything under the sun is exacerbated by your weight um, and uh, overweight and obesity. The other side of this coin that we've seen 
is the inequitable distribution um, because obviously a certain other class of people like and want to reduce their weight to a drastic level and that being celebrities, that being Hollywood as it were um, and it's been quite interesting uh, to see and you know p- people might have noticed their favourite celebrity or someone that they've known for quite a while suddenly slimmed down in uh, the past few months um, and so- sort of looked younger and of course beyond the simple Botox and other surgeries that they have, it is due to Zempic uh, to the point where actually there was a um, shortage of Zempic for doctors to prescribe to quite a lot of patients in the US at the very least. Um, over here in the UK, we call it wee govy, but it's still the same, uh, semaglutide. But I think it's what's remarkable about this and the positive mainstay that I'll end on is that we're having incredible pharmaceutical revolutions and discoveries that obesity, which was considered to be, I think even personally for me, I've always struggled in my way. There's something that you just have to bear the burden of and you know you've got the wrong short short end of life as it were um no there's there's hope there's recovery there's there's management as it were um it just shows how far we've gone in science and how far um we can help with people on their health journeys as it were and how how successful has it, is it is it so there's now discussions on what the rollout should be. Um, apparently, there is some discussion that here within the NHS, considering how expensive it is, it should or should not be given to everyone according to a certain weight class and certain blood pressure. Um, but again, there's issues with once you're off the tablet, you do get a, a drastic reversal um, back from the weight, um, as as it were. But th- that also points to the fact that actually obesity is never just a biochemical thing. It's your lifestyle. It's a behavior. Um, you, m- you might need to be going to therapy to just modify your eating habits and behavioral patterns, um, as it were, as well, to help bo- bolster um, the effects of the medication. Um, but any any treatment that relies just on pharmaceuticals is never a complete one, um, as it were. And again, we haven't done enough research to look at long-term side effects if people are going to be staying on them for the rest of their lives. But regardless, I, I, I think it's a remarkable discovery um, and a huge advancement in a sort of a disease. We have to classify it as a disease that was previously considered to just be something that was difficult to bear. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Oh, uh. Didn't know I was not on, uh, but interesting. Um, I guess we can talk a bit about other sports because you can't end 2023 on not talking about sports. And I think I'm the perfect co-host for this because the oh. fact that I don't know anything oh. about it, you're, you, I, I'm ready to listen. I'm always oh, good. Good to hear. At least there's one listener here with me. <laughs> um, well, the highlight for one highlight I'd like to probably pick out is um well if Sishan was here we'd probably have a more intense discussion uh but i won't pick that topic at all but i i'm sure you've watched cricket i've watched some have you, did you watch the cricket world cup this year i didn't follow it oh, i don't know okay you are disappointing <laughs> well this year's cricket world cup uh took place in india uh, it was the 50 year world cup which is the um the highlight of every cricketer it happens every four years and um you know as a took place in India Um, you know there was a few things that happened with the Pakistan team you know getting late visas um, not having a lot of crowd that's there to support them because supporters were having visa issues and I can attest to that because even I was supposed to go to India and um, the visa arrived very very late so I sort of changed and you know be like okay I'm going somewhere else now do we Uh, think that that's a political 
Yeah, there's. I think it goes Decision? both. I think it goes both ways. Okay. Anyways, um, the visas are very very long. Um, you know, it says on the visa um, application, it says, you know, do you have any Pakistani sort of uh, links or something like that along mm. those? Oh, you visited Pakistan, so you have to give quite a few, uh, detailed breakdown of. Uh, if you are Pakistani, what you've done, and etc. I think mm. it goes both ways, though. If you're okay. coming to Pakistan as, well, as an Indian, mm. but in any case, um, yeah. So we had India who won all of the ten games. Um, so they, they were put in a group, all, all of them, ten teams, and uh, India won all of the games, including the semi-final, but they lost the final to Australia, who mm. are the, a powerhouse in cricket. Uh, they won their sixth World Cup. Uh, what was uh, exciting to see was the sort of high scores that uh, they were, pro- were being produced in the 50-year World Cup and also some low-scoring games that came to be. Um, and I think um, what this World Cup um, sort of produced was, even at the start, Australia actually started off really, really badly. They lost two games to start off with and they were bottom of the of the whole group. So it's an underdog story. It was an underdog, but they're not really underdogs. Because they dominated. Because they've won five previous World Cups okay. before their sixth. Yeah. So And they won three in a row, which is oh, really annoying. Wow. So you had two teams that no one wanted to win. You had India <laughs> as the host nation uh, because there were some allegations that India were preparing pitches just for their suitability, which is not supposed to take place. Yes, they have the hosting rights, but at the end of the day, it comes under, uh, uh, it comes under, you know, the governing body is the ICC, so International Cricket Council, mm. and it's supposed to be a neutral venue for all, regardless of whether you're the home team as well. How does one, sorry, just an item on that point, try and sort of yeah. strategize pitches to yeah, it's, individual. it's a bit crazy because um, there's different types of pitches so you can have green pitches uh, pitches but when I'm talking about pitches not the whole ground yeah, I'm okay. talking about the square yeah. where you bowl on yeah. because a lot of that depends um, on what type of pitches you have some pitches are really turning so it will help the um, slow bowlers the spin bowlers mm. some pitches are very swing swingy so um those are usually known as the green type of pitches, so you know, have a bit more grass on there, and uh, the ball will be swinging everywhere, basically depending on how how you manipulate the ball uh, okay. to go. Some pitches are just flat and really good for batsmen to play on. Uh, they have no, they just have no pace at all. Um, you know, when you bowl, you know, say you bowl maybe one forty-five kilometers per hour, but it just slows you down because the pitch absorbs all the all the pace that yeah. you have. So there are some allegations going on that uh, India were preparing pitches just for them, for oh, themselves. Wow. So you had India, a one final, being the host. No one likes the host winning anyways. Then you had Australia, another powerhouse because no one wants to see Australia win another trophy uh, because they've already won. This was their sixth win. So right now it's sounding like it was a very boring looking to be a boring final it was it was and it it didn't it, turn out to be a really boring final. it was quite quite intense um yeah. you know if you're a pakistan fan you came to watch india lose basically <laughs> right. which uh it's quite sad in itself um but you had pakistan play against india as well and pakistan capitulated and collapsed yeah as usual um even though more recent history they didn't they didn't we had more hope but they just did at the end of the day um, 
But yeah, um, we had the two semi-finals with South Africa and New Zealand who surprisingly have never won a World Cup and every person was sort of rooting for them to go through to the final so that they could have a chance to win and we could have a new winner. But the cricketing uh, gods, you can say, didn't really want them. They stuck with the two nations that have already won. Um, so that was that. Um, yeah, that was the Cricket World Cup final. I think it was a, it was a pretty... Fun. I, I was watching it through work. Actually, I had I had my boss was so uh, nice enough to let me watch it. Oh wow! Uh, so yeah, I, I was a bit. Again, I watch cricket very sparingly. Aren't these matches actually quite long? Yeah, they are. Um, so they will start at probably nine. They will start at work time nine thirty actually, <laughs> <laughs> and I would generally get through to the whole whole end and just by watching it. Wow! And my boss was fine. That was like that's a bit crazy. Wow. Uh, so that was something new I tried this year. Interesting. In 2023. Very interesting. And um, I guess more personal news was uh, Chelsea being bought by um, an American ownership, uh, which is ruining our club, uh, ruining uh, spending billions of pounds on players and being mid-table. Wow. And you were actually in the car with me yeah, when I was going yeah, crazy. I, well, I was in the car that Omar was driving whilst his entire attention was on that yeah. six-inch phone screen yeah. that he put up. Exactly. Um, it's quite remarkable. It was. Uh, yeah, uh, I, 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 I felt the emotions that you guys had. You guys had. You said it's typical. But we, 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 won, we won at the end. Oh, you did? We, we did. So we did. it was 1-1 one, one by it the was time. One, it was 1-1 one, one whilst you were there. With and, Crystal uh, Palace, yeah. Yeah, and then we had a penalty in the 89th minute. Okay. So oh. we, we wow. got there finally. Wow. Somehow, but yeah, that was uh, that was twenty twenty three in sports for me. Sports, yeah. I um, I'm just trying to think whether there was any other particular sporting highlight that I can. Was Serena Williams? Was it this year? I, why am I thinking that that was this year? Mm. Um, that she retired. That's what I thought it was. Unless I'm completely lying, um, I, I I'm pretty sure that that was this year actually. Um. I'm just going to check right now, live as we talk about that. But I think that that was, um, no, that wasn't. It was in February. No, it was in February 23. Oh, yeah. She was that she torn. A great. Came out of a tennis great. And Roger Federer, no? Or was that? Yes. No, that was quite before. Oh, wow. That, that must have been before. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I think. Um, but yeah, uh, Serena Williams dominating um, women's tennis, as it were. And also double tennis with Venus Williams um, announcing retirement. Um, I, I, I was never, you know, again, like I said, I'm not so invested in sports, but I think there is some emotion to seeing oh, huge emotions, you know, your idols yeah. sort of retire, as it were, yeah. or just seeing them not be in their prime for some other sports people. Um, um, yeah, so yeah, th- th- I think I think that's quite remarkable. But you've got incredible personalities, um, especially um, f- f- females in um, uh, t- tennis, whether that's um, Coco Jones. Or and the other one, the name I'm forgetting completely, um, entirely. But um, some really good sports, up and coming talent, even Carlos. Raducanu. Yes, yes, exactly that, exactly that. Um, but some good up and coming talents in uh, in tennis. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think uh, we've um, sort of looked through most of 2023's um, recap. I guess just to end on things, what is 2024? What are you looking forward to? My, personally as well, maybe, if you want to share. I, what am I looking forward to? I actually wrote this down because oh, I'm really, no, no, no. I, like, he's, I'm, he's not, I'm, not this. This, I'm not this very stoic person who's writing day diary. This is what I want from things. Day no, diary. My name's Hamad. Yeah, but <laughs> I, I, I am reading, like I said earlier, this book, yeah. build, build the Life That You Want. Mm. And so I, I actually wrote this yesterday. It's funny enough. And it was, I want 
2024, first personally for me, both personally and professionally, to be the year that I move with purpose and intention. Mm-hmm. Uh, so everything that I do, I, I want it to have purpose and, and intentionality behind it. Uh, you know, a, a lot of people might recognize themselves in the people pleaser sort of category, you know, whether it's professionally or over extending yourself into tasks and projects that you're not necessarily, you know, even being remunerated, you know, and being paid to do, um, but you think it's good. Or it's whether you're holding back on certain things or whatever else. If you have the purpose and intention, I think go for it. Um, otherwise, yeah, I'm leaving behind any decisions that are purposeless and without intention. That's my hope, purpose. Um, as purpose it were. Purpose and intent for 2024. Yeah, but I'm not sure whether you you, you clearly well, haven't thought about I it. I have not thought. I, my boss actually asked before she went on Annie Leave, what are you looking for for 2024? I said, oh, well. More, a higher, higher salary. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but I told her more, uh, not in a blunt way, uh, but yeah. Uh, 2024, um, yeah, something, um, I, I actually haven't thought of it, but I just hope uh, 2024, um, you know, as the world keeps uh, moving away from uh, friendship and uh, stability and um, inter- and more towards insurrection to each other's uh, lives, uh, you know, we hope when we come closer to uh, the God that we all recognize, even mm. if it has diff- different names, mm. uh, we come together closest, more people as well mm. um and that we start realizing that you know yeah we have differences that might uh make us different due to our color our characteristics our personality but at the end of the day we are s- the same but we're just made different to be identified different and as cliche and lovey-dovey yeah. as that sounds yeah. um I, I i i do share that sentiment i think Again, with a lot of the global context and scenarios and situations that we've paced, uh, faced for the past year. Um, again, another worrying trend that I've noticed, again, might be just my echo chamber around my corner of social media, is people disvaluing the concept of peace. You know, they're saying, oh, but peace is a, a consequence of liberation. Peace yeah. is a consequence of um, good justice systems. Peace is a con- so we don't have so don't ask of us to be peace and peaceful because that's a passive thing. I completely utterly disagree. Um, you know, even in the philosophy of Islam um, and the teachings of Islam, a Muslim is someone who instills peace first within themselves, mm-hmm. but then also within their society around them, mm-hmm. as it were. We all have the capacity to experience peace, to protect peace, peace to establish peace. Um, and I think there needs to be a global reconciliation with the transformative power of peace in our personal lives, in our individual sort of realm, but mm. also in our global sphere. To, sphere. to not under, underestimate um, that peace and justice is really the foundations of the good world yeah. and that we can welcome in a new world in the Indeed. new year um, through those foundations. Yeah, no, that is a good way to end. Um, I'd like to thank all of you for listening to us throughout 2023. Um, it's been a pleasure. Uh, we hope you continue to listen to Voice Islam Radio and especially our show on Saturday morning live. Um, we'd like to thank our, our, our thank Hamad and the rest of the guys who are here: uh, Zishan, um, Noshe, uh, Rohan, and uh, Takrim, and our guests as well that have featured uh, many, many a times uh, throughout the year. Um, you know, we hope and pray that 2024 uh, becomes a hope for good and sunshine and a lot of smiles for all of you. 
uh, in your personal life and professional life. Uh, we, of course, like to thank our producer as well, who um, who's allowed to do us the show. Um, and the tech team as well, who are always there with us. Always. So always a shout out to the tech team. Um, again, um, 2024, we'll be back again. In Our team will be back again in four weeks' time, hopefully. And we'll be ready to present to you again. But in the meantime, uh, enjoy the last few hours of 2023. And, um, you know, I wish you all a happy new year, a prosperous new year, and, um, you know, a smiling new year, I guess. And, um, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. <laughs> Azrat Mirza Majroor Ahmed is the present head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the most dynamic international community within Islam. The community was established by Hazrat Mirza Khulam Ahmed in Kardian, a small and remote village in India. He claimed to be the expected reformer of the latter days, the one awaited by all major world religions. Founded in 1889, the community has continued to spread throughout the world, flourishing under caliphate, the system of spiritual leadership established after the demise of the Holy Founder. The current successor of this movement, Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmed, continues the work of the Holy Founder to revive the spiritual and moral state of mankind. The movement embodies the benevolent message of Islam and its pristine purity, a movement that preaches peace, universal brotherhood, and submission to the will of God. Ahmadi Muslims have earned the distinction and reputation of being a law-abiding and peaceful community. Within a century, the movement has reached all the corners of the earth and has been recognized and praised by the global community. Your faith is dedicated to serving the society that you live in, and from what I've seen, heard and, and, and experienced from mainstream charities, schools and churches, your faith and community have contributed in significant ways. I have personally experienced and heard that you have raised tens of thousands of pounds uh, on sponsored walks for children, older people and people with disabilities. You have dedicated yourselves to charitable social projects and most significantly of all, you have not distinguished between faiths, ethnicities or communities. <laughs> The community's many social projects aimed at helping those in need bears testimony to humanitarian concerns in respect of all human beings, regardless of race, color or creed. The Armidian community have an extraordinary reputation abroad for charitable work in Africa, India, Bosnia and Indonesia amongst other places. But your note, your community here too have an extraordinary reputation. You have been generous with your time and resources, and you have made yourselves part of the wider community. The Ahmadiyya community has always been at the forefront, not only of helping their own, but actually helping within society as a whole, is one of the reasons why, if I may say to you, your presence in this country has been so beneficial to us. In the past hundred years, you have given so much to the society in the United Kingdom and to societies everywhere globally. You are among those who give 
and who not only take. You give so much to so many societies that I have seen and felt and listened to and watched. Ahmadis are also renowned for working to serve the greater good through social health and educational initiatives as well as mosque projects. Your own work, Your Holiness, particularly in West Africa, is well known. And we heard just now about your attempts to bring water and energy supplies to some of the poorest communities in West Africa. Together, we should fight common enemies such as illiteracy, disease, hunger, and poverty. The Ahmadiyya mission has put structures in place towards the fight against these common enemies in order to enhance the dignity of man. The mission has been a vanguard and a partner in collaborating with government in the areas of education, health, agriculture, and human animation. The Ahmadiyya community mission in Sierra Leone, really they've made a pivotal contribution uh, to the education in our country. You just have to look around wherever you are. And I have to say, Your Holiness, that I was touched by the way in which your predecessor as spiritual leader instructed your community, the Amadei community, to befriend and look after those suffering as a result of the Bosnian conflict. And I was very impressed by that. Everywhere that mankind suffers, your members have been active in bringing help and saving lives and limbs. The community was created under divine guidance with the objective to rejuvenate Islamic moral and spiritual values. It encourages interfaith dialogue, diligently defending Islam and attempting to correct misunderstandings about the religion in the West. I very much welcome this opportunity of paying tribute to the wonderful work which has been done by the Ahmadiyya community towards the objective which we're seeking to promote this evening of achieving peace through understanding and tolerance. The Ahmadiyya community are doing a tremendous job in building bridges between the different communities in our country, between different ethnic, linguistic uh, and religious groups up and down the country. And I also know that they have a wonderful record in other parts of the world. I'd like to start by saying just how important the work of the Ahmadiyya community is. It deepens others' understanding of your own faith and it gives a voice to those who are marginalised in their own societies. Now, what has so impressed me as I have come to understand more about uh, the Ahmadiyya faith is your remarkable commitment to interfaith dialogue, your commitment to the principle of non-compulsion in religion and your commitment to peace and tolerance. You, the Ahmadis, stand as a beacon in your strong belief that we must find the answers to these debates through open, thoughtful and gentle discussion. And you are also a beacon because you show us that we must find the answers to these debates through practical action. The Ahmadiyya Mission is one religious organization in Ghana which has demonstrated ample tolerance in terms of 
is preparedness to cooperate with all other religious bodies, Muslim and Christian alike. How good you have been to our community, the community that you found here. Today you reflect so many professions, so many different walks of life. You uphold all the virtues and the vigorous ethics that uh, your faith has given you from birth. At this pivotal point in international relations, many questions and concerns have been raised concerning the doctrines of Islam. Most have incorrectly interpreted Islam as endorsing violence and terrorism. The Ahmadiyya community has always demonstrated the spirit of tolerance, goodwill and true brotherhood. It advocates peace, love and understanding among followers of different faiths. It firmly believes in and acts upon Quranic teachings. It strongly rejects violence and terrorism in any form and for any reason. The movement offers a clear presentation of Islamic wisdom, philosophy, morals and spirituality as derived from the Holy Quran and the practice of the Holy Prophet of Islam, Muhammad. Peace and blessings of Allah be on him. For me, as a student of Islam for now almost 30 years, I am constantly amazed by the depth of service that is certainly represented by this community and tradition, by the depth of tolerance and the constant searching for what it means to be human. To be of human means to be of service. And I think this is so dramatically represented by the message of this community. So for for me in 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 my life, what I did was, I said to um, it came to a point in my life where I said, I need spirituality, right. I need to know about there must be more to life than just working, getting up in the morning, going to work at nine o'clock, coming home at five o'clock, going to bed, waking up the next day, and doing the same thing over and over again. There must be more to life than just eating food and taking pleasure from a meal. Sure. There must be more to life than drinking a latte yeah. and taking pleasure in a latte. Yeah. And all of these thoughts take you towards spirituality. Sure. And when you know spirituality, that is to come to Allah. So, so that was how it started. But then what really, you know, practically for me, what happened was I said to the, the various friends that I had at the time, you know, I believe in, I want to know about God, yeah. whether or not God exists what would you advise me? So I spoke to a Christian, right. I spoke to a Buddhist, I spoke to a Muslim, I spoke to a Hindu a, Hindu, a little bit, yeah. and also to an Ahmadi Muslim as well. Right. And they all right. gave me the same advice. They all said, Allah, we believe in God, we pray, and God answers prayers. Sure. So what was very nice is all the different religions essentially gave the same advice. Right. When I did that, then when I prayed, then Allah answered my prayers. And I prayed for the first time genuinely from my heart. And Allah says that whenever the supplicant prays to him, then he answers those prayers. Yeah. And Allah, by the, grace of, by the grace of Allah Almighty, then he answered my prayers and I believed in him for the first time. And from there, I continued those conversations and I said to the Christian, what do you believe? I said to the Muslim, what do you believe? And to the Hindu, the same, and to the Ahmadi Muslim. And essentially to believe in Islam Ahmadiyyat means you believe in all of Jesus' teachings, all of Krishna's teachings, all of Buddha's teachings, 
but you have them clarified by the Holy Quran, right. and then you accept the Prophet or the Imam Mahdi who's been sent by Allah in, in subservience to the Holy Prophet Sallallahu So to, to become an Ahmadi Muslim means that you actually accept everything that all of the others do, but you are the most submissive to Allah because you accept a Prophet that has come so recently that to make that decision shows or inshallah it shows to Allah that I'm willing to follow you and not just my culture, not just my society, but I'm willing to accept the one that you've sent in my, in my time, in my generation. The Maker, the one who plans, determines and brings into being. O Maker of the heavens and the earth, thou art my protector in this world and the hereafter. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day, 